Now, uh, we're battling to get hold of uh, the NUM's energy sector coordinator, and his phone, it seems, is off. And I can only uh, wonder that maybe that has to do with the load shedding and uh, probably not having charged up the power banks uh, enough uh, to be able to weather that particular storm. But I have on the line a researcher uh, for energy at the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa, NUMSA, and that is Simon Matebula. Simon, good evening to you, and thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, comrade. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity and also giving evening to the listeners as well. Awesome stuff, man. Listen, you would have heard uh, parts of the conversation I was having with Persuade. And one of the things Persuade is raising is, you know, it's quite clear that this, uh, in his view, is about paving the way for an unbundling process. Uh, and uh, I was saying earlier on, I'm yet to be persuaded uh, whether or not this unbundling will mean the end of load shedding or even uh, uh, um, specific operational improvements within ESCOM. But uh, you might be closer to the action. What do you make of uh, some of the calls for unbundling? And uh, uh, also, just as the NUMSA, uh, some of your views uh, in relation to the ESCOM paper that has been put out. All right. No, look, uh, thank you very much for the input. First and foremost, I want to state categorically that uh, what Noam Chomsky said, the standard technique for privatization is to defund, make sure things don't work, people get angry, you hand it over to private capital. This is what you are witnessing today. I'm raising this at the backdrop of what you've seen because the load sharing didn't start now. Mm. NUMSA issued a statement in February highlighting the fact that the ANC government has deliberately appointed a technically incompetent people to run ESCOM. NUMSA made the point that Jan Obalhosa does not have a generation experience. Pagamani Khadad, who has resigned, didn't have any energy sector experience. Jabi Mabuza, you've seen him talking on TV, the guy is empty. The least you say about him, the better. If you look at the board of directors, only two out of eight with power utility experience. You understand? So this is not something that we didn't expect. NUMSA mm. mentioned it in February when we experienced load shedding. NUMSA mentioned it again in March when we experienced load shedding in October. NUMSA again reiterated the point that we are going to sit with the challenge because ESCOM is filled with a board that is useless, a board that is incompetent, a board that is not able to turn things around. I'm sure it's the first time in the history of ESCOM, the 96 years of existence of ESCOM, that we have witnessed a series of load shedding of this case. So just to answer you on the, on the Richter sharing, I think we need to make it clear that if you read the paper very well, the paper is trying at all costs to avoid the operational issues. And for obvious reasons, is that the composition of that task team that wrote the paper, none of them have got a generation experience. Nonetheless, what I want to say about ESCOM experience, so you don't expect those who crafted the paper to bring any solutions to ESCOM. But the load sharing, if you remember very well in 2014, in 2014, what we've witnessed is that there was a generation sustainability document that was crafted mm. after that load shedding. And that document said that the ESCOM generation assets are aged. You understand? Mm. The board submission said in 2015 that 80% of the generation capacity is in urgent need of major equipment restoration and replacement mm. in order to achieve a technical life of sure, 60 years. Sure. Was that done? Simon, no. I want us to you pause understand? there. I want us to pause there because that's a perfect point uh, for us. To, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back,
Mm-hmm. I want us to speak about that aged fleet. I want us to speak about, uh, you know, this re- issue of replacement, modernization, and even in some instances, the repair of some of the, uh, the assets here that still have some form of shelf life uh, at yeah. ESCOM. Because I want us to delve into some of the operational issues that account yeah. for why we are in the dark. 22 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's our Shop Stewards Corner. We're taking a look at uh, everything happening uh, on the shop floor, on that site, in that plant. And uh, the big issue, certainly at the start of this new week, is uh, uh, everybody played, played into darkness uh, for some part of the day uh, as uh, ESCOM undertakes uh, a stage uh, six load shedding. And I understand uh, the current status is that it's at stage five. Uh, at the moment. I'd love to hear some of your perspectives. Give us a ring. 089-110-3377. What are you up to? What are you doing uh, while uh, the load uh, on the grid is being shed? And uh, what impact has this had on you? It's uh, certainly uh, led alongside with the elements and uh, the weather that we saw uh, to uh, many an accident that uh, we've seen on our roads uh, due to uh, the uh, malfunctioning of uh, some of the traffic lights. But um, uh, uh, talking about some of the drivers of this issue, I'm joined on the line by Simon Matebula, researcher in the energy space at the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa. Now, Simon, you were touching on uh, a sustainability report that came out, uh, I think, a few years ago, which uh, was speaking to uh, the aged nature of our existing uh, generation fleet. And uh, more importantly, I guess, the urgent need for uh, a replacement, modernization, and in some cases, maintenance. Yes, yes, yes that's correct. No, this was the ESCOM document, in fact. Mm. It was further echoed by the dentist report in 2015. And it explicitly stated that the ESCOM generation assets are aged and they are in need of significant investment. You understand? Mm. Because this document, if you look at it, there was a research that was done. The research was done by an independent assessment by VGP PowerTech. This assessment said that the age of the ESCOM power station is not dissimilar to other international utilities in Europe and also in USA. Mm. It went as far as to say in USA, the age is more than 40 years. So this common narrative about ESCOM power stations being held does not hold water because it goes on to say that the age of ESCOM coal power stations does not on its own explain the state and the challenges that they are facing Mm. to attain the acceptable levels of performance. What else does? No, look, uh, if if you want to dig further into this, you have to look at the plant maintenance as well that was also detailed in the Mm. Generation Sustainability Strategy document. Because you understand going into 2010, ESCOM adopted a strategy of to keep the lights on, deferring the maintenance. That is one of the things that were highlighted as early as 2014. But because the government does not want to do the right thing, the plan is to ensure that because any reasonable person would have known about this problem, especially the, the, the current president, as we're speaking about now. The current president was having a task team. Mm. One of these recommendations were in his desk. As to why today he's releasing an empty statement that speaks about Medubi and that does not say anything, it's surprising. You understand? Because there were, I think there were, I mean, issues that were highlighted in that report that required urgent attention as early as 2015, 2016, 2017. Brian Mulefe, Coco came in, they did their part. You've seen the improvement at the generation performance, but we're back to square one as we speak. But you have to ask, 
Why is the ANC government, why is the board not attending to this? And you get the, the calls, I mean, from the renewable proponents that are saying the solution, we must add more renewables. The basic question to that is that they must tell us as we speak, how much are the IPPs, in particular the renewable IPPs, are producing everything? And, and, and Simon, I want us, I want to go, you're raising something that uh, I'd love to hear some of your perspectives on. Yes. Because uh, I, I guess uh, you are taking issue with the financial strain that the okay. IPPs uh, have, uh, I guess, made on uh, the utility in the context of all of the operational challenges that we've been speaking about. Yes. I'm interested in, in, in your, your views as a union around... Uh, I guess uh, the energy mix going forward as we try and transition uh, mm-hmm. in a just manner to a more, um, I guess, a climate or carbon sensitive future. Uh, what is the position of the NUMSA there and uh, what, do you, what in your view uh, should be that uh, path towards a just transition when it comes to ESCOM? No, NUMSA, first of all, is concerned by the delegation of certain individuals who go on at an international stage to make commitments about South Africa, yet there's no consultation on the workers, there's no consultation like on who? the poor. Who, who, who's that? Who? <laughs> In particular, Harold Winkler. Harold Winkler is a UCT professor who wrote the Paris Accord for South Africa mm. that says that the CO2 emissions will peak at a certain period and then will decline, and therefore that is the driving force for us to close the power stations at this period and roll out the renewables. And guess what? If you read the Paris Agreement, it says that for developing countries, we are not obliged, you to understand, to reduce the CO2 emissions. Mm. However, we must form part of uh, what was known, I just forgot the name now. We must form part to, to play a role in reducing those emissions. That is the national determined contribution. Now, if you read the Paris Agreement, it says that developing countries are advised to move over time to a climate-resilient and low-carbon economy in the light of their national circumstances. What are our national circumstances? It is poverty, it is unemployment, it is inequality. So what is NUMSA is saying, we must move at a cost and pace that we can afford if we are going to move to the renewables. I'm going to make an example now. As we speak, the renewables installed capacity is 4,200. If you look at the equipment that was used on all those projects, let's start with wind technology, the turbines. Who's manufacturing the turbines? It's not South Africans. It's Germans, it's other countries. Mm. So we'll be dumping in the equipment that is supposed to create jobs for us, and that is not the case. So what we're trying to say, this just transition, it must happen at the cost and pace that we can afford, and also it must be for the benefit of mm. the workers. But, 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 mm-hmm. but Simon, and, and I think the point is very, very well made there. I mean, I like the point that you're making around uh, uh, the failure for us to realize and unlock some of the localization opportunities that come yes. with investment in some of the components, be it in wind, solar, uh, or even any of the other renewable energy sources. But not so long ago, the NUMSA, uh, which uh, you speak on behalf of, had a position around uh, potential climate jobs uh, that could emerge if uh, you know uh, we thought differently about the model of uh, this transition to a more climate-resilient future. What is the position uh, when it comes to that? NUMSA is not opposed to that. What NUMSA is saying, there must be a plan. We are sitting currently with an unemployment percentage of 29%. As we speak, let's talk about 
wind technology. I've made an example. Mm. The wind turbines, who's manufacturing them? It's not South Africans. You move into solar PVs. You look at the investor, inverters. Who's manufacturing inverters? The solar PV cells. It's not South Africans. So we are saying, if we are going to move with the transition, it must be in the benefit of the workers. Those power stations that are going to be closed, those workers must be retrained. Those workers must be absorbed back to be economically active. As we speak, government does not have a plan about those workers. So how do we move to a low-carbon and climate-resilient economy at the expense of the poor and the working class? Mm-hmm. It cannot be the case. Mm-hmm. Talk to us now uh, briefly about, uh, I mean, I saw a statement here coming from uh, yourselves and the NUM uh, in the Eastern Cape. And uh, I, I must say I was quite startled. Uh, you know, uh, one of the workers at ESCOM sent this to me. And, uh, you know, I was sitting saying, asking myself, I mean, you seldom see a press statement shared by the NUM and the NUMSA. You've come together here and uh, uh, you're also anticipating a shutdown not so long from now. Look, uh, there are talks because... You, you know, if you go back to the history of ESCOM, Van der Bale, who's the founding chairman of ESCOM, made the point about the political interference in as early as 1932. He warned the MPs who wanted to have, you know, some control to ESCOM because he knew that as soon as that happens, the decisions that will be taken, they won't be in the public interest. As we speak, the move to restructure ESCOM is not in the public interest. Mm. It's in the interest of the few in the ANC who wants to benefit through the private sector, who wants to roll out the renewables at a rapid pace. You understand? So we are not going to sit back and watch that because ESCOM is the center of the development of this economy. If you can go as early as 1909, the commission that was set up then, Mm. you go to a commission that was set up in 1919, uh, whereby there was a report that was done. You understand? Because they understood that ESCOM is an important organization of this economy. There's no economy without ESCOM. You are seeing what is happening as we speak. Stage mm. six. You understand? Abraham. Everyone is crying. I mean, the poor, they are feeling you know, it because I, they don't have money to buy I, I was saying, and that. I was saying, mm-hmm. Simon, to someone today, if you needed a reminder of what, uh, or even just uh, a, an example of what the minerals energy complex is and its yes. hold on the South African economy. That's Look at correct. what happens during load shedding, the state of yes. disarray, panic and confusion uh, that yes. we see because we're so reliant and historically have been uh, on uh, uh, relatively cheap energy and uh, I guess consistent energy to feed a uh, very intense energy intensive industry across the length and breadth of our economy. But, uh, Simon, uh, I mean, just in terms of that shutdown, my brother, uh, you are saying that the, these conversations are happening, but uh, in terms of the you know the next plan of action, I mean, it seems ESCOM is moving ahead. They've appointed Andre de Reiter. His brief is to implement the unbundling. It seems that that train is moving, with or without you. Yes, because they've continued to undermine the workers. Remember, the plan is not about to fix ESCOM. Because if it was about to fix ESCOM, they would have consulted. I'm sure if you remember vividly, when, ESCOM, when the president announced the ESCOM sustainability testing, they said the consultation must be done with the workers as early as last year, December, 14th of December. We are in another December now. The workers were not approached. So the plan is not to fix ESCOM. And we are not going to fold our hands because we are speaking about the jobs of the people here. Because seemingly now, the ESCOM that was used to develop this country will be used for the fewer who will want to see themselves as instant billionaires, as you have seen, Mutsebe. I will make an example now. 
The president was appointed in February 2018. He appoints a cabinet on the 26th of February 2018. On the 4th of March, the president, in the form of Jeff Haddad, they announce another round of IPPs. They say we must sign. That deal will cost ESCOM $300 billion over the 20-year period. Tell me, was that deal done in the interest of the people? Was that deal done in the interest of the workers? No. If you check the... But those equity were long-standing contracts, Nje Simon. I mean, uh, they are signing then. It uh, doesn't indicate that uh, they weren't in the pipeline for a long time. I think the commitment on the part of the government came much, much earlier. That's correct. Mm. But that commitment was made with the assumption that there would be growth in demand. And if you look at the IRP 2010, there has been no growth. There is no justification for additional capacity that was that time. In fact, if you look at the financial performance of SOM, it was not in the state that it could agree to a contract of $300 billion over a 20-year period. I'm sure now you've seen ESCOM has made a $21 billion loss and they've projected another $20 billion loss. We are asking, why are you still keeping this board then? Because this board has clearly demonstrated mm. operationally and financially that yes. they are useless. Simon, let's leave it there, my brother. Let's, let's leave it there for now. And right. uh, I certainly know this is not the last time I'm going to be talking to you about this. But we'll certainly watch developments coming from the shop floor very, very closely. And uh, uh, I think uh, on the part of NUMSA, uh, if indeed Nishiwe train, it's uh, maybe a time to uh, maybe catch it on a different terminal because it seems like it's moving and moving very fast. I've got some of my callers here. Brandon, you are in Middleburg. Good evening to you. Hey, Carl, how are you, man? I'm fine, my brother. How are you? Hi, uh, cheers, man. Bro. Just on this load shedding, hey, mm. no, man, really. What's really happening? A big problem. What's happening, brother? No, man, I had to replace a, 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 a decoder there mm. at my mother's place there because of this uh, load shedding. It cost two grand. Because of the surge when the electricity came back? Yeah, come here, the electricity is just uh, going off and the, the load shedding. Yo, yo, then the technician told me that it's the, 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 because of this load shedding. Brur, sorry about that, man. Sorry about that, uh, Brandon, uh, there in Middleburg. He had to replace uh, a satellite dish and a decoder there. I mean, uh, certainly sad. Silo, you are in Limpopo. How are you? I, I don't know how to answer that. Um, how are you? No, genuinely, genuinely. I mean, I'm asking you genuinely. Genuinely. Um, not to pass time. You know you know how other people they ask you how oh, Zhuang no just to just to pass time. No 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 I'm asking you how are you in the darkness? <clears throat> you know, in, in in this situation no no one can normally say mm. it's good. I mean everything is just a mess. We are in a mess. We are in a mess whereby our leaders don't even don't listen to us because they said so. They will never listen to us. As people on the ground, um, and that's it. How many times did we bring in the what you call it, the experts talking about this nonsense happening at ESCOM every day? You know, listening to you with the Numsa guy, Num whatever, you know, and reading everything that is all over here. One thing that came to my mind is, are these leaders we have, are they useless? Are they useful? But let me take out the second one because there's no usefulness that I see. Are these people really caring about this country mm. like they are claiming, my brother? Hey, that is so, for example, you know, I, I'm really, 
how, how long or what will it make for um, ANC government, people, whatever, to listen to us on the ground, to listen to the um, a genuine advice from the people who are in the know of electricity to sort out this mess. Hmm. What, what, a... what, what, what is stage six, my brother? Because ah, yeah, I, don't, yeah, I do not understand a... what is this. I am at my wit's end. I don't even know, you know, what to say, what not to say anymore. I, I'm at my wit's end when it you comes know, to this. Uh, my I mean, they, they just released a statement. We are not, we are, now we are on stage six. And then that's it. And I believe they are not taking your calls, guys, to question that. Oh, yeah. That's what I was saying earlier on. I mean, uh, but we'll have to leave it here. And that is still, I mean, I heard the spokesperson at ESCOM on uh, some news bulletin saying, look, you know, Yolando is chill. He's chill on duty. But he units are sevens. So, Nifunando is good. And I think the the statement now around stage six was about saying, okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Nifunando is Bucks, you are in Middleburg. What's happening with all the people in Middleburg? You are close to the cold there. We hear the cold is wet. <laughs> huh? I guess it's because, I, Help I guess us. It's because we're producing the very same coal that's supposed to give us power. That's the coal we need there in Creel. That's the coal we it's, need there in Medupi. That's all of the and coal, it, and it's and, wet. And, and, and then you wonder, uh, all of a sudden, there is problems with regard to that. I can't just remember um, the date, but not so long ago, the CEO was on one of the shows, it was a day, uh, a, a, a day uh, show, mm. and he confirmed that they got enough stock on that show. He even said there's only one power station that had 20 days, yeah. but all the rest had enough stock. Coming to that, this is not for the first time, and this is definitely not even the longest time we've had rain. We've had uh, bad uh, times uh, some time back mm. where we had probably consistent rain. All of a sudden, um, we, we, we have uh, a rain issue. Come on. Um, 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 I remember a couple of years back, there was a perception created, very same thing, very same entity, um, load sharing, people panic. All of a sudden, after that, came the nuclear power deal. So if people look at uh, politicians and the people on top, they should stop playing uh, us okay. uh, in public school. Bucks, let's yeah. leave it there, Papa. We have to go to a spot break. But uh, I get what you're saying there. Manufacture yeah. of a crisis uh, to pre- precipitate whatever it is that you want to happen. And that's where we're going to have to leave it uh, for this Monday when it comes to our Shop Stewards Corner. This is the sound of an Amstel Lager being enjoyed back in 1989. This is the sound of an Amstel Lager being enjoyed in 1999. And well, today.